they were drawn to the Hare Krishnas. They're very much like um, Hindus. So yeah. they believe in reincarnation and, um, you know, gosh, it's been a long time. <laughs> so, so if we but, were to, somebody were to say, uh, what's the, the basic tenet of Christianity? I'd say, well, there's a triune God and we're, you know, saved through the death and passion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, you know, so what, what's the, the kind of what's the core beliefs of Hare Krishna? You mentioned, you know, the reincarnation, but what else? Mm-hmm. Uh, basically that they, so they do believe in one God. Okay. Um, but they also believe in the eternal soul. So everyone and everything. So whether it's human beings or uh, plants or animals, we all have a soul. And um, you go through a cycle of reincarnation, like you start out, uh, like let's say as a bug, and um, then you make your way up to um, more of a sophisticated animal, if you want to say it that way. (laughs) If you're a good bug, then you move up to uh, like (laughs) being a mouse or something. So to speak, you know, you make your uh, way through the animal kingdom. So and um, once you reach um, uh, being a human, then it's sort of there are certain things you can do to, quote unquote, earn your salvation. So you go to what they call, so heaven is what they call the spiritual world. Mm. And they believe that uh, no matter what you are in the spiritual world, world, whether you are a human or you're a blade of grass, you're full of happiness and eternity. And um, So the blade of grass could feel mm. happiness. Yes. Interesting. Yes. All right. So that's obviously just a snapshot of your upbringing, Germany, yeah. Hare Krishna, hippie parents. And now across the world, we've got Chris being born into Brooklyn, uh, no, Queens, Queens, yeah. Queens, New York, into a practicing Catholic family? Yeah, I mean, partially anyway. Mom was uh, Catholic, dad was raised Lutheran, but dad uh, doesn't really believe still even. And uh, so mom would go to church and we would go with her to make her happy and um and, you know, do the rosary with her, just, you know, say these words. It makes mom happy. And then when, you know, hit middle school, we just, just stopped going to church, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that just started a fall into, you say, almost atheism, but you'd call it more agnosticism. Is that right? Most Jews for about 20 years? Yeah. And I mean, that started well before I stopped going to church with mom. Just I was old enough to, like... She couldn't physically drag me anymore. Um, so, <laughs> you got too big. <laughs> but yeah, but when I was a kid, always like, you know, it's hard to look around at the world and think there's no God. But I yeah. was like, whoever it is, how, how dare we uh, think we can identify him or, or know anything about him, really? Mm-hmm. So you were thinking it through, at least. Y- yeah. 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 All right. So at some point, um, Sita, you ended up in California. Yes. So how, from Germany to California, how did that happen? Um, I was traveling with a friend to New York. And then um, I'm, again, for a Hare Krishna event, we were in a, in a temple over there in New York. And I uh, met a man and he suggested we go to California where he was from. He was also living in a temple. And so I just... Um, called my mom and said, hey, I'm going to extend my trip. I met this guy and um, 
yeah, I just stayed. I, I, I flew back to Germany after three months and packed up my stuff and then mm. moved to California. Were your parents happy about that or was that concerning? Uh, no, not at all. Yeah. I mean, my, my dad was always more distant, so it was hard to read him. But um, yeah, my mom was And uh, you happy. ended up marrying this guy, right? Yes, correct. And it was not a good marriage. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah, we lived together in a temple in a little tiny room, slept on the floor, and <laughs> um, that's just the way it was. I mean, for me, that was normal back well, then. Was that just because you were poor, or is that just the way Hare Krishna is No, yeah, that's just the way that's you live way. in a temple. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. And after the divorce, you immediately left Hare Krishna, or was that not until... You, you you met Chris, or maybe I should, I'm getting ahead of myself, because Chris <laughs> is now somehow no longer in New York, and so uh, where were you when, the, the two of you met on a, a game, right? So you're online. Yeah, so when I was little, moved around a lot, which is why I speak English, and uh, <laughs> so did a lot of growing up uh, in the suburbs in Pennsylvania, and uh, yeah, we I started playing this game online, uh, through it, found this friend in Montana, and then he was in this group that Sita was also in, and we just kind of started talking to each other in the game, went out, killed, or attempted to kill some, you know, monsters that ended up killing us, and then we'd just be sitting there dead in the game talking to each other. <laughs> and so, uh, and that led to eventually us talking on the phone. And you were, okay, no, so this, you're in California now, right? Yeah. Okay, and you're divorced. And I'm divorced. I moved out of the temple, had my own place. Still, still Harry Krishna, though. Or, or no? Sort of distancing myself from it, kind of okay. thinking everything through. Yeah. And how approximately, how old are you guys now when you're playing the game? Good question. 20s? Uh, yeah, early, yeah. early 20s. Okay. Yeah, we met when he was, um, yeah, 22 20s. and 25. Okay, so you're kind of like leaving here at Krishna, uh, maybe kind of in spiritual no man's land. Yeah. You're somewhere floating agnostic, around agnostic yeah. and you're dead in a video game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, this looks like a place for conversion yeah. right here. Dead so, in the game and okay. spiritually. Yeah. So obviously a, a love connection happens. So how did y'all like, like, hey, maybe we should meet, you know? Good question. Uh, we started playing, um, there's this other, there's this way we were communicating through voice in the game. Yeah. And through that you could play other games. So, She's really good at backgammon, and so she liked playing me in backgammon because she won a lot until I started flipping it around. Yeah, yeah, that's yes. right. Uh, anyway, um, and then I don't know. We just uh, uh, actually it was right when I moved to uh, Dallas area um, that we met uh, at DFW Airport for the first mm-hmm. time, uh, and that was right before Christmas. Now, why were you in visit. Dallas? To meet him because I was crazy enough to agree to. So you fly flew from out California because you're you're moving here to live here, right? Yeah. Okay, from Pennsylvania or wherever you were. Yeah. Um, job is that what it was? Uh, no, I got into a car accident, and um, Dad used to work in New York City, but after nine eleven, uh, they pulled him down here to Coppell, okay. uh, Texas. And oh, so okay. I was just moving closer to the money, mom and dad. And your parents were at that point going to St. Anne's Coppell. Uh. Mom was going to uh, Mary Immaculate in Farmer's Branch. Oh, okay, okay. So you you come down here. Sita flies in from California to meet in person. Mm-hmm. And was that a good experience? Yeah, uh, you know, it, back then people really didn't meet online so much, and so was pulling up to the airport. Just please don't be a dude. Don't be a dude. Don't be a dude. <laughs> and 
Yeah, and everything worked out great from there. <laughs> you were really thinking that? And she was having similar thoughts waiting there, like, don't so be had, some had, kind of crazy murderer. Had y'all not seen pictures of each other or anything? Uh, yeah, yeah, but you can but find pictures, you know, I mean, like... So. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> that is so funny. So, uh, okay. So, uh, did you end up moving here, or uh, what? What was the next? Step? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we met. It was then Christmas time, and I actually met his family very fast. And um, within a year, then I moved. Oh, okay. okay. We moved uh, to Sherman together. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I, I, we're we're all getting to the point where now you're these practicing Catholics that you are now, <laughs> but we're not there yet. So no. what was you know? I'm just picturing here's Chris, agnostic. Here you got at least you know your mom's faithful. She's going to Mary Immaculate. You're still kind of running away from Harry Krishna. So what was the catalyst? I mean, where 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 did the Catholicism come in? Uh, her actually, um, I was happy enough to go through life not thinking further about anything, and Sita always wanted to talk about God and spirituality to some extent, and so she would always talk about the Hare Krishna beliefs. And um, you've met me; you might know I have no problem laughing at ideas I think <laughs> are silly, and so I would just kind of scoff at a lot of that and be like, "Ah, there's no way it can be like that." Mm-hmm. Um, and debunk a lot of it too. I gotta say, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you were getting into some good conversations about faith mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, and so he was kind of questioning you about Hare Krishna but you were trying to run away from it were you at this point still defending the Hare Krishna beliefs to him or or were you trying to talk yourself out of it yes because I couldn't understand the Christian God either yeah you know so um, yeah for me it was just I was just really confused I think that's why I was seeking out conversations with him so much because uh-huh. I was trying to make sense of what was I believing all these years you know and um, trying to find the truth uh-huh so and uh, I I knew there's a god out there but I knew it wasn't that some mm-hmm. feminine blue guy with a flute right <laughs> um, and so uh, it, it, there were really lots of stages to it um, and so I I ended up going to a Christian uh, college that was kind of hostile to Catholicism, mm-hmm. actually. But uh, there, um, they make you take, you know, the Bible classes and stuff. And they explained, like, how uh, historically accurate and, like, um, the foundation or reliability of yeah. the Bible, right? And so I said, uh, okay, like, maybe this Jesus is real and decided to be Christian, at that mm-hmm. point, and then we started going to church uh, with mom again. You're um, not married yet, right? Uh, mm, no, not at this point. Mm-hmm. No, okay. Um, no, but you're, but you're living here. You're now in North Texas, and you're yeah. dating, but not married. And mm-hmm. okay, and you're still questioning. Okay, yeah, right. yeah. And then after college, um, thought everything was going to work out degree wise, and um, which was a whole other story. And uh, but then we decided let's get married, and uh, the year after we were, or two years after we were married, right? Married in a Christian church, and uh, yeah. So we first, so I knew, right? We I knew Jesus at that point, and we knew, um, and then Catholicism was just comfortable because that's where mm-hmm. where we've been. And so went to a priest to uh, Father Michael Forge, actually, oh, at Mary yeah. Mary Immaculate, yeah, and. Um, 
and said, hey, we want to get married. We want to do it right. And then he's like, well, you're living together. That's not doing it right. And then we're like, oh, okay. And then we ran off to some Baptist church where they'd, you know, marry two chickens if you wanted. <laughs> and so uh, we, I, we, it's the truth. It's the truth. What do you want from me? <laughs> well, just by so, point of fact, I don't think the Baptists would marry two chickens, okay? Yeah. Just in case there's some Baptists listening. Yeah, but I, yeah. I know what you're saying. They, they wouldn't have the same standards. Right, right. Yeah, okay. and, and so we went off and, all right, a little bit exaggerated. It so, was a non-denominational church. Yeah. It was? Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a Baptist church. Yeah. <laughs> no. But, but God, God bless Father Forge because that's maybe the first time you guys were challenged about the way you were living, right? Yeah. And yeah. so... Um, so uh, we went and we got married uh, in a Christian church, at least. And then um, eventually I got fired from my job and immediately picked up a job delivering pizzas at night. And there is where um, I got bored with music. There's only so much you can listen to. So hit the radio. There's the politics guy. That was fun for a week. And then started channel surfing and hear this crazy nun Mother Angelica, and heard her talking a little bit, skipped it, and then went, huh? And I went back to it, and just, like, she was awesome. And and so I was listening to her for probably a few weeks before I, like, I was like, I should call her and talk to her, and I'm dumb not knowing in the middle of the night it's a <laughs> recording that's playing. But so short, shortly after, I was like, I really want to talk to her. I realized she had died a few years prior. Yeah. And, Another road. Um, yeah. And so um, on, on that, not only Mother Angelica, but Dr. David Anders, his show is just amazing for like church history and like how much he knows. He's just an encyclopedia. Yeah. But yeah, and that made me realize that Catholicism is the church that Jesus uh <clears throat> Wow. Started. Delivering pizzas, driving around. And so, yeah. <laughs> all right, so you're married, the non-denominational church. You are where, Sita, spiritually at this point? Uh, he's he's now started probably coming home and talking about this nun he listened to. <laughs> and and uh, oh, also, I know there was some tragedy because y'all had a miscarriage, yes. right? And so, I mean, yeah. just tell me where the, your perspective of this time in your life. Yeah, so... Uh, so we, when we talked to um, Father and Mary Immaculate... It was clear that I had to become Catholic if we wanted to get married in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. And um, I considered it very, very briefly, but my conscience wouldn't let me do that. I was just like, I, I do believe in God, and, and, and uh, I cannot lie and become Catholic just to get married. That's not right. So, um, but... But yeah, we um, spiritually, I was just, I, I call myself spiritual, you know, believing in God, and that was about it. Mm -hmm. So definitely distant. I'm, I was done with the Hare Krishnas, but I was definitely not a Christian yeah. by any means. Um, <clears throat> so then, yeah, when we got married uh, 2013, a few years after we were, um, we decided we wanted children, and um, we were trying at, uh, at the end of 2016. And then we did have a miscarriage, um, which led to many, many <laughs> doctor visits because my body kind of just went out of whack. And um, so about eight months into a lot of doctor's visits, they found out that I had a brain tumor and that that was the cause um, for our miscarriage because our baby couldn't get mm. 
the the nutrition and everything that it needed because the tumor was wrapped around my pituitary gland. So mm. that's a whole yeah, uh, yeah. another medical story. Um, so yeah, and um, so I had to deal with um, the loss of the child. I mean, we both did, and um, just infertility in general, kind of like looking at our future very differently. We had plans. My husband was always wanting like 10 children, you know, and. Um, and I love that story you told me where you came went to him and said, you know, something along the lines of, well, maybe I'm not the right person for you. I'm not going to be able to give you any children. Oh, and yeah. He said what? Yeah. So I told him, you know, um, now is the time to run. I know you didn't sign up for this. You didn't sign up for this. Uh, tumor and for I mean we didn't know what that would lead to at the point and then yeah. I said and I know you want children and I said find a young girl that's <laughs> fertile and, and and run and um, he said that he married me and that that was important and um, you know he made vows and he meant them mm. and Praise so God. yeah yeah and uh, our upbringings and views of marriage are just different mm-hmm. she uh her parents got divorced when she was six, and uh, mom just, if one thing stuck, it was uh, marriages, you know, forever. Yeah, yeah. And it's just something that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, you take vows, they write sickness and health, good times and bad. So, yeah. Here we are. <clears throat> well, praise God. That's awesome. So now he's, he's getting really interested in the Catholic Church. He's listening mm-hmm. to this crazy radio station and, <laughs> uh, you know, Mother Angelica, Dr. Anders, and. Yeah. Well, how how did you finally, you know, kind of come into the, the same lane? Yeah. So, I mean, he told me about the Catholic radio as well. He said, tune into it. And I was hesitant, but I'm like, OK, uh, I'll do that. And so I started listening here and there, too. Um, but I was really still like I was just really wounded and and, and um, uh, desperate and sad. And like, you know, um, I didn't have. God to hold on to at the time, you know, I just had myself and my husband and, and so, um, I would spend a lot of time outside by myself and just kind of pondering, you know, what should we do here? Where's our future going to go? And, um, one night I was just sitting on, on our balcony and I was looking up into the sky and, um, for the first time in my life, I actually said a prayer because, um, I grew up meditating and, 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 and kind of reciting the things at God, but I never had like this personal exchange with him. But that night I just looked up and t- to the heavens, so to speak, and said, God, I, I'm just lost and I don't know what to do. Like, please help me. Tell me what to do. And it was so instant. I mean, God was just like, you need Jesus. And it was like he flipped a switch and I knew I'm becoming Catholic. Jesus is the way. Let's do this. I mean, it was, um, it was almost, I didn't, it was almost like hearing a loud voice, like finally, you know, like, gosh, I've been waiting for you to, to ask me this. Yeah. 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 And it all, everything changed that night. And then you went, uh, yeah, Chris. And so that was before that time in church. That was the night before we went to oh, church. Oh, wow, crazy. Yeah. So the next day, right, she, and, and this is before we got, no, right, when we got married in the Baptist church or whatever, before, yeah, yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry, we need, to cut that, we need to cut that part out. So, yeah. so, um, so um, 
the next day we're in church and she was just going to like make my mom happy kind of mm-hmm. deal. And the, you know, it was just regular kind of mass, kind of a lackluster homily. There was nothing really special about that day in church, yeah. but walking out, I turned to her and I said, uh, what do you think about getting baptized? And then she looked at me and was like, why would you say that right now? You, so she hadn't told you about the experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. And so I was like, oh, man, I really stepped in it here. And, <laughs> and then there was a pause. And then she said, because I was thinking the exact same thing. All right. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty awesome. So then you immediately got into RCIA yeah, and you know, became Catholic. Yeah, it was um, it was in end of August and RCIA was opening up the next month. And so... And that was at St. Anne's. Yeah, at yeah. St. Anne's and I went through the program and um, 2018 on Easter, yeah. I was uh, baptized. Yeah. And the crazy part of it too, I had um, my first marriage that needed to get an old. And um, there was a time crunch and the lady that took care of my um, papers told me that she got off the phone with the person from the diocese and he said, I literally just, she was the last on my desk and I signed it and that was gonna be it until Easter. So it was just, wow, like I actually got to get everything. Baptized. Everything came everything together all out. at the same time. Praise mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Well, that that's a fascinating story and uh, just God's, Grace working powerfully through both of you, and it's, I'm so happy to have heard this story and to be able to share it with our listeners as well. Uh, Chris and Sita Nisi have been my guests, and uh, I'm looking at the clock, and I've got like 30 seconds until <laughs> we got to wrap this up. But I, I think we got the main parts. Now you guys are happily married, and not not that you weren't happily married, but now you're Catholic <laughs> yes. and fully participating in the the sacraments and the church, and uh, so praise God. So so thank you for your story. It's really a, a great one. I'm glad that you we were able to to share it. Uh, yeah, thanks for having us. Very here. interesting. So anyways, that's uh, an awesome story, and uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, this has been the interview of the week here on KTH 910 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And also thanks to Cecil for running the board here for this interview. Uh, have a great rest of your weekend. God bless you. Golfers, mark your calendars for the 2023 CPLC Golf Classic. Presented by St. Systems on September 21st at Cowboys Golf Club in Grapevine. This year's event promises to be better than ever with more excitement, challenges, and opportunities to win big. All proceeds will benefit the life-saving ministries of the Catholic pro-life community. Early bird pricing is available until September 1st. Sponsorship opportunities for you or your business are also available. Go to prolifedallas.org forward slash golf for more information or to register you or your foursome today. Hi, this is Dave Palmer. I think we can all agree that we are ready for summer to be done and fall to officially arrive with cooler temperatures, festivals, and lots of great things, including the Guadalupe Radio Network Fall Sherathon. It's right around the corner, Tuesday, September 12th through Friday, September 15th, from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. each day. The theme is Source and Summit. Please tune in, call, and support Catholic Radio on the Guadalupe Radio Network during our Fall Sherathon, beginning Tuesday, September 12th. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. My name is Dave Palmer. Cecil Anderson is running the board and we are in our new studio. And uh, for the next 25 minutes, I'm going to talk about a wonderful event that I want to encourage 
everybody consider going to. It's about two and a half weeks from now, and it is called Hope Restored Healing the Wounds of Abortion, an ecumenical conference for mental health professionals and clergy. Okay, so really anybody who has interest in this, clergy or lay persons uh, can attend. It's going to be September 13th and 14th, and it will be at St. Paul Catholic Church Parish Center at 900 St. Paul Drive in Richardson, Texas. And uh, there will be information that we can tell you about, about how you can sign up and uh, get more information online as well. I have in studio my dear friend Eileen Kuhlman. She is the Healing and Abortion Ministry Director, Healing After Abortion Ministry Director for the Catholic Pro-Life Community. And also very honored to have on the phone with me Kevin Burke, who is a licensed social worker and co-founder of Rachel's Vineyard Ministries. He also is the host of a uh, podcast uh, program on social media called Oceans of Mercy. So welcome to you both, and thanks for being on the program today. Thank you for having us, Dave. And Kevin, you there? I am. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. It's an honor to to have you on the program today. All right, Eileen, let me start with you. Uh, Kind of give us an overview of this conference, the purpose, the mission, and, uh, you know, what's going to be happening at the conference. Right. Uh, Thank you, Dave. I'm so excited to offer this conference. In the 12 years that I've been with the Catholic Pro-Life community, we've had two other conferences for mental health and clergy, but this one's very different. It is uh, thanks to the great support of the Council for Life that we're able to offer this conference. And yes, the focus remains to educate mental health professionals as well as clergy, but this time we really want to expand that to interested adults. Mm -hmm. Anyone, anyone who goes all the way from just curious about the topic all the way to being a leader of a ministry, perhaps parish staff, leader of RCA, faith formation, uh, maybe a ministry for women or for men, for healing anybody that is a little bit confused, wanting a little bit of information, this conference is for them. So I kind of, the, the focus that I see for this conference is, is triple. One of them is to educate, uh, because there's just kind of a lack of information still about how abortion affects men, how it affects women. And now the new t- newest topic in our lives, which is sadly chemical abortion, how does that differ from surgical abortion? How does that affect people? Um, and then also there's a lot of confusion about what has happened with Roe. And now there has ha- so many things have happened. People are embarrassed because there's there's been so many things in the road that they're embarrassed to say, I don't understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. So there's a silence taking place that they can't keep up. And so we have an attorney coming in to help us understand what happened before Roe, during Roe, and post-Roe. Where are we now? that will just kind of give us the overview legally of abortion in the United States and in Texas. So that will help a lot to clarify that. And then we have local speakers that are absolutely wonderful as well going to come in to talk about, is there a link between childhood uh, abuse that someone can go through and abortion decisions? Is there something there? A therapist will be presenting on that. Another wonderful therapist will be speaking on the the damage that happens to the mental health of a woman when they go through chemical abortion and how that is so significant and so painful. So we have both Bernice Simmons and Dana Nygaard covering those two areas and Jeff Turner, the attorney, coming in to carry that. And then we'll top it off with Father Larry um, that will be coming, Pichard, Father Larry Pichard, that will come to talk to us about how reconciliation 
uh, in the sacrament for the Catholics and for a conversation with your pastor or your minister is not enough. Mm-hmm. The sacrament is perfect, it's wholesome, it's wonderful, but they need a community. They need to be surrounded by people of like mind that have been there, that understand the pain and the healing to walk with them through that journey. Uh, so I think, and we're having a graduate of re- retreat to come and explain that, how the sacrament was wonderful and beautiful and she needed more. So they will, they will talk about that. Bishop Kelly will be there as well. So what I really want to convey about this conference is, yes, mental health is one day, clergy is the other day. It's the same presentations, but with a twist in those two directions, but you can go either day. Mm-hmm. So if someone okay. says, darn, I can only go on Thursday. Well, perfect. Register for Thursday. And then it's for any interested adult that is all the way from curious to confused. And they want to come to learn about this, clarify this. And then I've got all the new clergy that have come in since 2016, since my last conference, that may not know about us completely, that they may not know that they can refer people to this, to God's wonderful and merciful healing, uh, and new mental health professionals. So I have new people, I have confused people, and I have people that just want to learn. So I think it's it's triple triple boat here of um, everyone needs to come and register for this conference. Yeah, and I'm looking at the flyer here, and there's so much covered, so many speakers. And I know we've got uh, a couple of the key speakers, uh, Sister Patricia Marie and also Dr. Ingrid uh, Scop, who uh, we can talk about more specifically. Let me bring uh, Kevin Burke into the conversation. Again, uh, licensed social worker and co-founder of Rachel's Vineyard Ministries. And uh, it's going to be one of the key speakers. And I think I heard Eileen say that you're going to be speaking, particularly, um, Kevin, about the impact on men. Is that right? Or what, what will your topic be? Yes. Well, first I want to say after Eileen's uh, presentation of, about the conference, I'm very excited to be to attend. <laughs> <laughs> if I wasn't a speaker, I would want to sign up. So that was pretty cool to hear, <laughs> to hear that. Um, yeah, I'm going to focus very much on the impact of abortion on men. And let me give you a brief background on how I kind of got into that, because I think it'll also connect to some of what I'm going to be sharing. So when I was working for years with Catholic Charities of Philadelphia, and I was working as a counselor and a clinical supervisor, I have a graduate degree in clinical social work, so very strong emphasis on counseling. So for a number of years, I had been seeing couples in marriage counseling and individual counseling, men and women. And then Teresa began to do the retreats, uh, the Rachel's Vineyard Weekend Retreats for Healing After Abortion. And as it began to grow and be, uh, the, what I was hearing happening on the weekends, I thought, well, i got to see what's going on here because <laughs> she's really, it's really taken off. So I attended a couple of the weekends first as a participant, which is how you begin your training. So I went through it myself and brought to that experience an abortion lost in my history, not personal, but uh, one I, I was associated with a pregnancy that ended an abortion. And providentially, in those first couple of retreats that I went on to learn about the program and go through it, there were men present. They were a minority at that point in the, in the, uh, in the retreat development, but they were there. And I was struck by how profoundly, how deeply men are wounded by their involvement in abortion. Now, you wouldn't know that when they first come. But as they begin the process and begin to tell their stories, and they're in a safe place where they, they can get out of their head and share about their experience and what it was like for them, the, the emotions were very deep. Uh, sometimes they were coming with, with, their, with, a, with their spouse who either had the abortion or they're married to now, and I was seeing the impact on their relationship. So uh, that process continued to me seeing that men were impacted by abortion and wanting to learn more about it from their stories. 
And then 25 years later, here I am talking to you now and really making, making a focus of that because the more I learned, the more I realized that it's really essential to the health of our marriages, the health of our church, the health of our society. When you see the repercussions of how this impacts men and you see how the blessings that come with healing for them, both psychologically and spiritually, how they're restored as men in their healing experience and how they're damaged as men in their abortion experience, I saw how important it was for the church and for society that we would uh, raise awareness and help people understand uh, how those wounds impact men and the blessings of healing. So that's kind of a little bit of introduction of of the men piece, and I could go on a little bit about what I'm going to present on as well, but I want to, want to give an opportunity, David. Yeah, question. okay, well, thank you. Yeah, we'll get, get a little bit more specific, and we'll come back to you in just a moment. Again, Kevin sure. Burke, one of the speakers at the Hope Restored Healing the Wounds of Abortion Conference. It's going to be September 13th and September 14th. Uh, September 13th is... Uh, uh, focused on mental health professionals presentation and clergy on uh, September 14th. But as Eileen said, uh, you can go to either one or both. And uh, also all of adults of all faiths are welcome each day. So Eileen, talk about this. The uh, the ecumenism of this is something that you really want to stress. Absolutely. And and just to, to step one, one step back to what Kevin was saying, we had Teresa Burke, the other co-founder of Rachel's Vineyard here at our last conference. So I'm so excited to have Kevin here with the focus on men. As you know, we have Project Joseph here for the Ministry for Men. So that ties in very closely to what Dallas is all about. But yes, this is an ecumenical conference, and this was inspired um, by the Council for Life, who's actually a a big supporter of this conference. Um, And it really taught me that abortion affects us all, Mm -hmm. everyone. And uh, if it affects everyone, why not have as many boots on the ground as possible so that we are educated on how it hurts people and as well as what can I do? What can I not do? How can I better um, welcome some back, someone back into God's healing, guide them towards in that direction? There's still a lot of um, fear of, oh my gosh, if I enter into that conversation, what am I going to do? Uh, so I think if we really spread wide and try to reach as many pastors of as many faiths as we can, uh, that would be great to have the day for clergy uh, not only be for Catholics. Abortion is not something that just affects Catholics. Mm-hmm. It affects everyone. And that footprint, I always call it the footprint of regret, pain, and shame that sits on the hearts of all of us, it affects everyone. So when we hear a story or participate in it in silence or in in advice or in guidance or in any way, then that has affected all of us, even the siblings of the child lost to abortion. So uh, I don't know of anyone that's not affected. So if that's the case, why not open up this conference to absolutely every adult that is in touch with anyone uh, that may be receiving someone broken by the pain of abortion and can help them guide to God's uh, guide them to God's merciful healing. Yeah, and also I mentioned uh, I did mention nine a.m. to three thirty p.m. each of those days. For, so really, just a, a six and a half hour commitment or probably a lunch break. I know lunch is included in the the, the, the cost, but they do uh, have to register. That's that is a requirement. Yes. Yeah, mental health professionals thirty three dollars, and you will get three continuing education credit uh, credit units offered, and adults are thirty clergy free and lunch is included with registration um go back to kevin here in a second but uh, eileen can you give us a little bit more information about two of the other keynote speakers right. uh, sister patricia marie and also dr ingrid scop right it was uh 
I'm a former chemical engineer, so I want to make sure I cover all the bases. So if, <laughs> if Kevin is down for covering the men, we've got to have someone to cover the women. So um, a lot of people still think that abortion only affects women. So that is something that I've worked very hard for everyone to understand, that the child was conceived by two, the decision affected two, and the healing is for two. So if Kevin is here to help us understand how it's affected men, and he's also going to speak a little about prison ministry, which he'll talk about, um, then Sister Patricia Marie would be perfect to speak to us about how it affects women. She is a licensed professional counselor as well, and she has 30 years' experience in the post-abortion healing arena. So when I'm going on a retreat, she's going on a retreat. Um, She's going as a counselor and as a sister. So she brings the whole spiritual realm and the mental health realm together, which is perfect for what we're trying to accomplish. She has a wonderful book as well that she will have available at the conference, and Kevin will also have a book available uh, of his at the conference. Now, Dr. Skop um, is a scholar from the Lozier Institute. For me, the Lozier Institute is who guides us as a lighthouse, who gives us all the research information and all the, the higher-level information that we need to know of what's going on with abortion. We were honored to know that Dr. Skop was coming. When I heard her name, I never thought we'd get her because she's that well-known and that famous. She travels the country. She arbitrates. She she defends. She educates. And uh, as a physician as well, she'll be able to talk to us about how chemical abortion affects the woman's body. I asked her to please make it clear how that differentiates from other forms of abortion, how um, chemical abortion affects the woman's body versus surgical abortion. People need to know, especially clergy and mental health, they need to, when they're talking to someone, they need to know how each of those has affected them physically. We have the therapist, Dana Nygaard, to talk to us about how it affects them mentally. For them to have um, the, the new pathway of chemical abortion, for that to be happening typically in their homes, for them to see the remains of their child, for them to have to clean up that, that situation um, the, the grief is complex, is complicated. The, the pain, the, 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 the fingers pointing at oneself versus being able to point at so many other people in the picture. So we've had to change what we do as a ministry as well and be more prepared to, to be ready to help people of chemical abortion. So we needed to understand what exactly is happening in the body mm-hmm. of that woman and, and in her mind and in her spirit. Uh, so we're going to have chemical, we're going to have for women and for men, all of that wrapped together, understanding how childhood uh, affects, and then the real, the real story at the end with mm-hmm. father and with the graduate saying, it's not enough for yeah. me to just tell you about it. I need more. And yeah. why a, a retreat venue is what helps so much. I'm a big fan of Rachel's Vineyard. Uh, Kevin knows I'm one of their greatest fans. Yeah, I'd say. There is no better healing venue than Rachel's Vineyard. So... Um, I'm just so honored to have all three of them and in particular to have Kevin on today. Yeah. Kevin, you were going to dig in a little bit deeper about uh, your particular talk. Of course, we don't want to give all of it away, but uh, do you want to kind of give us a few more hints at specifically what you'll be talking about at the Hope Restored Healing the Wounds of Abortion Conference? Yeah, I think one of the most important areas that I want to focus on uh, will be on what I've learned about the Rachel's Vineyard Ministry that is taking place in prisons, and particularly one in Florida that I had a chance to visit and spend a few days with the chaplains there, uh, uh, team members who are prisoners who run the retreats, the leaders of the retreat ministry there. And from spending a few days with them and and, and subsequent discussions with the counselor there, I really dove in and and tried to learn about what they had experienced and what they're learning from that, and I'm going to be sharing that with you. if you're working with, or if you're concerned about 
uh, our inner cities. If you're concerned uh, and you've had experience working with young men who, who, whose fathers are absent or were abusive, uh, you're working in minority communities, uh, you know that that's where the highest abortion rates are, particularly African-American communities. You, I think you're going to be surprised to learn about the experience of men with uh, criminal activity, the father wounds and abuse they have experienced in their life uh, growing up, their experience of adolescent, adolescence and beginning to be sexually active when an abortion is introduced into their life when they have previous abuse, and how that abortion relates to their criminal activity. And in one case, one man I interviewed is, was in there for armed robbery and murder, and you'll be, I will be sharing with you his story and how abortion fit into his overall uh, getting involved in criminal activity. There's a whole continuum. But I think you'll be surprised, and I also will be sharing with you the percentage of the men that were uh, that they interviewed and uh, polled in the chapel services before they started the ministry, see if there was a need. Two, a number of different uh, chapel services, they, uh, nom- they uh, confidentially surveyed the guys, two different maximum security prisons, and the percentage of men that had abortions in the history and said it had a negative impact in their life was close to 90%. Mm. I'll be sharing with you much more in depth, and the relevance of what I will be sharing with you for, for men who have abortion, history, <laughs> other kinds of trauma in their background. And the, and the best part of it is, how does healing help restore men who are so damaged, and what the hope that holds for ministering to men who have really damaged past, and again, in some of our poor communities where there's a lot of fatherless situations. Mm. Wow. And it really goes to back to what Eileen was saying is that it, this doesn't just affect the, the, the people directly involved. I mean, because if somebody's running around committing crimes and robbing and, uh, you know, raping, it, it, it's a societal, a societal issue, isn't it, Kevin? That's exactly right. The more you peel back the onions on this, the longer I have been involved with this, I see connections to everything from obviously the, the, the immediate ones, which is their immediate relationships, but it has repercussions in our communities and our school systems, uh, even to the point where you have a whole nation that is compromised in, in different ways from participating in abortion in different parts of our society. And I think that can help us understand some of the chaos in the culture and the divisions that we're facing now. You see those things happening in people's relationships after abortion. I think it also happens in communities and, and in entire countries when you have uh, you know, legalized something like abortion, and we've had over 65 million procedures. So, you know, there's, I'll, I'll be focusing a lot on the more immediate impact, but, you know, you can... You can see connections all the way out into the, and Mother Teresa said that, you know, abortion could, she made the connection of war and abortion. And that's not, if you really understand how it affects people uh, spiritually, emotionally, it's not too far-fetched to say that. Right, and uh, I remember when I started out on my first Rachel's Vineyard retreat and I sat in that circle and I heard every single person in the room speak of the trauma that they had lived as a child um, or later on in their life as an adolescent. And I remember leaning over to the counselor and saying, I'm not hearing any abortion stories. And she leaned back and said, what do you think this is all about? This is the Mm -hmm. loss of dignity in their lives. The damage and the trauma that they've been through has taken them to a woundedness that opens them up 
to po- the possibility of because not everyone, but the mm-hmm. possibility of being of falling into an abortion decision. So the trauma that underlies all of what we see on on our retreats is definitely there. And then Bernice will be talking about that from a childhood abuse. But this could not come at a better time for us because we too are going to prison. And I like to joke with Reg Platt, our coordinator of Project Joseph, who will be. Stepping forward uh, with the blessings of the diocese and now approaching the prison community of asking to come in and to uh, take our Project Joseph to the men in the prison community. So um, it will be very excited to hear about Kevin's experience with Rachel's Vineyard in the prison, in the prison uh, venue and see how we can carry that knowledge with Reg. As he, as I always tell Reg, he's going to prison legally uh, <laughs> to, to carry that program to them. We have a new program that Reg has written and in the manual, and he'll be showing that to Kevin, so they'll have a great discussion about that as well. All right. It is the Hope Restored Healing the Wounds of Abortion Conference, an ecumenical conference for mental health professionals and clergy, and it's going to be September 13th and 14th. Is that uh, Wednesday, Thursday? It oh, is, and they okay. can choose any day they would like. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a mental health professional or clergy. It, uh, you can choose either one. Just know that on Wednesday the 13th, there will be more of a focus on mental health. And on Thursday the 14th, there'll be a more of a focus on faith-based co- uh, conversation. But the speakers are covering the same material, just with a twist in those two directions. People can register, because that is required, uh, for either day. And we're we're so happy to make it free for anyone that's a clergyman um, and uh, adults. It would be $30. And the mental health professionals, for $35, they will get three CEU credits. It doesn't matter which day they go. So all you need to do is go to ProLifeDallas.org backslash conference and register. All right. Uh, uh, ProLifeDallas.org slash conference, uh, backslash conference, and uh, please register by September 1st, which is right around the corner. We're only two and a half weeks away from this conference, so if this is intriguing you and you're interested, uh, please go to that website, uh, ProLifeDallas.org backslash conference, and register for this. Uh, I I, I can't help uh, but notice that September 14th is the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross, and uh, I just think of these people who are walking wounded, holding this cross, and here we are talking about the exaltation of the cross, because really, and Kevin, you can certainly attest to this for both men and women, is that the the freedom that can come from, first of all, sacramental confession, but also forgiving oneself and uh, understanding what you've gone through can really be a very liberating experience, can't it? I think that's the most important thing. I'm so glad you mentioned that. We do dive into some very difficult and painful material so we understand the wounds, but the Calvary is not the end of, the, of our experience. It's resurrection, and the blessings that come with that resurrection in people's lives is the joy of the ministry. It's, it's very painful at times, but there is a great joy in, in this ministry because of what God does to folks who humbly open up those wounds and allow him to uh, restore them, and, it, uh, and it's, it's wonderful. Uh, so, Know it's going to be a hopeful uh, and, and, and blessed uh, time as well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to Eileen here in a moment with the final push and encouragement and also how to register. But, uh, Kevin, do you want to say something real quickly about your Oceans of Mercy uh, podcast and program, if people would like to tune in and watch that? Sure. If you, uh, if you just go to Oceans of Mercy on uh, YouTube, uh, you'll see 
uh, some re- it, it basically interviews I've done with uh, ministry leaders, those who are working in the field, and just allow them to share from their experience. So it's it's kind of an informal conversation back and forth. And if you know if, if you have an interest in the topic, I think you'll find that very interesting. I also have at the conference my book Tears of the Fisherman. Tears of the Fisherman represents all the what I have learned in the last twenty five years working with men, and that will be ab- available uh, for you to purchase or or even to uh, to take as a gift. Uh, either one is fine. I just want to get the information out to folks, so that'll be available for you uh, as well. All right. Uh, Kevin Burke, thank you so much. Again, co-founder, along with his wife, Teresa, of Rachel's Vineyard Ministries and also a licensed social worker. All right, Eileen, we got a minute and a half uh, for you to make the final push, the final encouragement for people to get on that website and sign up. Perfect. Hope Restored, Healing the Wounds of Abortion Conference. If you are newly ordained... Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul in North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.